Amen. We're going to get into our teaching on today. Um, I think this is going to be the last message from this series uh, in Christ. Uh, we started here by talking about being born again, the born again experience. And then from the born again experience, we went into positioned in Christ. Then we learned that we were positioned in Christ. But now that we are positioned, we need to be developed. We need to be developed. And a lot of times we learn about the position and we stop there. <laughs> we stop there. I'm saved. Okay, stop. <laughs> he didn't save us. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 5 and 9 that he didn't save us to pour out his wrath on us. But he saved us so that he could increase us, so that he can give us a life that he predestined us to have. And so uh, we did the position but not developed. And uh, last Sunday we did position to rest. Position to rest. The Bible says that we have to labor to enter into that rest. Although the rest was established before the foundation of the world. On the seventh day he rested from all the works that he decided he was going to do in eternity. And now the rest is waiting on us to get into it. He's, you're not waiting on him. He's already done everything he's going to do. Everything that you want, everything that you need, the business ideas, uh, the spouse, the future, um, all those things, the ministry, all those things are waiting on you. And so on today, we're going to continue along the same lines. I'm going to actually pray today. It's going to be short. And then we're going to get into the teaching. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you will use my lips. Oh, Father, use my voice, my vocal cords. Oh, Father, use me. Oh, Father, as a vessel. Oh, Father, to speak the things concerning your kingdom. Oh, Father. Father, use me, O oh Father, in spite of my human ways, O oh Father, that your will will be done through me, O oh Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title of today's message is Grafted to Grow. Grafted to Grow or Grafted in to Grow. Now, grafting is a process by which something is implanted, something is joined. It's, it's typically used dealing with trees. And when something is grafted into a tree, what happens is a, a branch is placed into a tree that it does not belong and it is placed there surgically to grow into it. I remember when I was a, uh, when I was young, my little brother rolled over. You remember back in the day we had we didn't have uh, HVAC. We had radiators. <laughs> we had radiators, and my little brother rolled over into when he was like two, rolled over into one of those radiators, and burned his leg. And they had to graft new skin on there. So what they did was they took skin from a, one part of his body and they placed it on there to cover it up. And so grafting is a surgical process of, of one being, pl of, of taking something from one place and putting it into another. 
it's a transplant. It's like if you were to take a heart out of one person and put it in another so that it can continue to function. And so we have been grafted into the body of Christ. We were not originally a part of this. Like I told you, God had a plan A, then he had a plan B. The plan A was that Adam would stay on course and we will all be God men for the rest of our life. But then he fell. And after he fell, after the fall, plan B came about in which we had to now retrieve a life that was lost. And so we have been grafted into Christianity. We have been grafted into the body of Christ. The Bible says that those who are joined to the Lord are one spirit. And so we're going to talk about that for a second. And we're going to come from Romans chapter 11, verses 16 through 24 for my note takers. And then we're going to go to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. And then we're going to finish with uh, some scriptures out of Matthew. What are those scriptures? Matthew 7 through 7, 17 through 19, and Matthew 12 through 33. Romans 11 and 16, and it reads, For the first, for if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Now let's address this. It says, for if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. Now, what this is saying is, I'm going to give you an illustration. What they used to do is they would take, they would make cakes or what they call showbread for the priest in the temple. And they would have a lump of dough. And they would take from that lump of dough to make the cakes, the consecrated cakes for the priest. And so what the scripture is telling us is because they took from that lump of dough to give unto God, it made everything else holy. So when they took the lump to make the cakes, by default, it made the whole lump consecrated unto God. This is where we get the concept of tithing and offering. It's once you give the first fruit of your increase, the rest of it becomes holy and God watches over it. This is where we get prayer from. When you wake up in the morning and you pray, you giving your first fruits. Because you gave your first fruits to him, the rest of your day he takes care of. This is where we get family. When you decide to give your life to God, like my wife was just saying about praying, when you decide to pray for your family, when you give God those first fruits, he looks over the rest of your family. He protects the rest of your family. You have no idea what your prayers are doing. When we get into the, the uh, prayer part and we talk about the Holy Spirit, and how the Holy Spirit is an army of angels for intercession. And, and the, the thing we were just doing with Dre when we surrounded him, that's how angels literally walk with you daily. 
They literally surround you like that. The Bible talks about the army of angels being encamped around David. David wasn't a child of God. So if they're encamped around David, you know they're encamped around you. But the thing about this life is a spiritual life and you can't see it. And because you can't see it or you don't understand it, you don't know that it's there. And so the first if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. This is true in forgiveness. When you decide to forgive someone, it's a first fruit. Why? Because usually when you need to forgive someone, there's some kind of conflict there. There's something that someone did against you. There's some type of affliction there. And when you decide to forgive them, it becomes a peace offering. It's a holy act. When you have mercy on someone, when you have kindness, when you have gentleness, when you have love towards someone, that is a holy act. And what it does, God said, okay, since you're going to take these fruits and you are going to make them a part of your life, what I'm going to do is I'm going to begin to open doors for you. Doors of influence, doors of affluence. Though, If you want to know what holds back people's wealth and their um, influence is the condition of their heart. It's pride. That's what holds back. God's not telling you to forgive somebody just to forgive somebody. He's telling you to forgive so he can release something into your life. Because certain doors he can't open if you're bitter. Especially in relationships. Because everybody in here has probably been hurt or done wrong in some type of relationship. Whether it's a, 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 a spousal relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a business deal. And you will keep that animosity. And as long as you keep that animosity, the doors are open. Because the last thing you want to do is, is take that hurt and give it to someone else. Or take that hurt and, 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 and use it to tear down someone else. Before we started this ministry, I had to clear my heart of all the things that happened in ministry towards me. The things I didn't understand. The things or the times in which I was just in ministry. And when I left Leesville, Louisiana... And I came here, I was so upset with God because I felt like I was in this religious stuff. And I'm like, you hold on, hold on, hold on. You, why would you allow me to sit in this and you know it's wrong? I was upset with God because you give me all this revelation about how all this stuff is, is you my father and such and such. Why you wouldn't tell me that back then? I sat in apostolic, under apostolic teaching for about 10 years. And I've been out of it for 10 years. <laughs> and so he told me, he said, I needed you to see what the kingdom was up against. So I let you sit in that so that when you teach people or when you meet people, you have an understanding. Compassion is a great thing, but sometimes you have to earn compassion. Sometimes compassion has to grow into you. You have to go through things to understand what people are going through. And a lot of the things that we go through, it is for that purpose. It's nothing that you brought on yourself. It's that if you don't go through things, it's just that if you don't go through things, you will never have compassion. You will never have sympathy. You will never have empathy for people. 
When you're always strong, and, and the thing about me is I had a terrible childhood. I had a bad childhood. And so anytime I would see people go through little things, I'm like, get over that. That ain't nothing. I've been through work. I had no compassion for people because I was strong. I was made strong because of things I went through. That has nothing to do with nothing. But I hope I said something. <laughs> for if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if, here we go, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. So what this is telling us is that the character which is inherited in the root of a tree shows itself in the branches. And so a seed becomes a root and then it becomes a tree. Whatever type of seed, the characteristic of that seed is the fruit that the tree should bear. If it's an apple tree, what kind of? Okay. If it's an olive tree, it's going to bring olives. And so whatever is in the root is in the branches. When we do marital counseling, I always tell husbands, whatever is in the husband will eventually be in the branch. Whatever is in the husband, whatever is in a man in our households, us as men, now will automatically be in the vine and will automatically be in the branches. It don't even matter if you do it behind closed doors, away from the kids, and they can't even see it. It will automatically still be in them because it's spiritual. And so God is the root. Our father is the root. We are the branches. So he's letting us know if God is your father and you are in God, if the root is holy, then you holy. That's why the Bible tells us that as, as a spouse, that even if your husband or your wife is not saved, by you being saved, you sanctify them. By you being saved, you sanctify the children. Because you are in Christ, because you are a part of this family, the root is holy, so is the branch. Verse 11. Now, I kind of move kind of quick. It says, and if some of the branches were broken off, talking about the Jews, like I told you, there was a plan A and then there was a plan B. Even in the plan B, this was first introduced to the children of Israel, the Jewish community. And so he's letting us know if the Jewish community or the Jews were are broken. Watch this. The scriptures declared them as being branches that were broken off. Why were they broken off? Because God gave them a chance to come to him, and through their disbelief, they, they were broken off. They fell off. We'll get more into it. It says, and if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Now, Jesus' ministry was only to the Jews. When Jesus was on earth, it was, his ministry was totally to the Jews. A Gentile woman came to him. She wanted healing for her daughter. And he told her, look, it is not good to give the food of the, the children's food to the dogs. Saying she's an unbeliever, meaning let her know my ministry is not for you. When he sent his disciples out and gave them power and authority over demons and to heal, he told them specifically, specifically, 
Pacific is an ocean. He told them, do not go to the Gentiles. Do not go to, to the Samaritans, for I came for the lost sheep of Israel. So Jesus, in his ministry, he came to bring the broken branches back to the tree. Paul's ministry was to bring the Gentiles in. So Jesus came to retrieve broken branches, but Paul had the job of revealing the word that would graft in wild olive branches known as Gentiles and Samaritans. So we are Gentiles. A Gentile is anyone who is not Jewish. A Samaritan is someone who is mixed with Jew and Gentile. And so the scripture says that and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among the cultivated olive tree. And so you have a wild olive tree and you have a cultivated olive tree. Now, grafted means this, that you were implanted, you were joined, you were inserted, you were embedded, you were transplanted. This is where we get the term of adoption. Is when you have a family and then you bring another child in. What are you doing? You're grafting them in there. They have a totally different uh, 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 name. They have a totally different DNA. And you are bringing them into the family to become one of yours. And this is what happened to us. We were grafted in, but we were grafted in to grow. Now, a wild olive tree is a tree that is contrary to the nature. So we were in Adam, meaning we were contrary to the nature of God. An olive tree or a cultivated tree is a tree that has been educated, refined, nurtured, promoted, and cultured. That's why Jesus told a Samaritan woman, she said, we know who we worship, but you don't know who you worship. For worship is of the Jews. Why? Because the Jews had already been cultivated. They knew God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of them were Jewish. They come from the, the Israelite background. And what that mean was is that they had the privy of knowing God. They had the privy of saying that our ancestors were involved in knowing God. But when it came to the wild olive or when it came to the Gentiles, they did not know God at all. And so this process that is about to happen is they are about to be grafted in for the purpose of growing. So the scripture says that, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them. Who is them? The Jews. And with them, it says, became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, which means that the wild olive tree now has, is a partaker of the inheritance. Because you were grafted in, now you are a partaker of the inheritance. Now you have the same relationship as the other branches. Now you have the same relationship. How many of y'all know that, see, the way we don't see Christianity a lot of time is we see Jesus, then we see us. But the way the scriptures train us or teach us is teaching us that there is no difference between us and Jesus. So the same relationship that Jesus had with the Father is the same relationship he came to give us. He didn't come to give us a secondary relationship. He didn't say, look, I'm close to the Father, but you'll never get that close. That's why the Bible says that we are heirs of God, but we're joint heirs with Jesus. 
Verse 18 says, do not boast again against the branches. Talking about the Jews. But if you boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. In other words, the father is the one that gives all the provisions. Just because you were brought in, don't boast about that. When Jesus sent the disciples out, they went out, they cast out devils, they healed people, they seen the power of the kingdom, and they came back to Jesus and they were ecstatic. They said, even the demons obey your name. And he said, that's nothing. Don't worry about that. Worry about the fact that your name is written in the Lamb Book of Life. <laughs> Forget the power and stuff. Don't worry about all that. Don't be happy to see power. Be happy for the simple fact that you are one of God's children just like me. That's what you need to be happy about. And like I told you, the church is overwhelmingly happy about power. Soon as they see someone with a gift, they follow them. All you got to do, you cast out a devil, you can instantly start a church because people are so used to following gifts. Somebody get healed, they announce it, all of a sudden, they start a whole healing ministry because <laughs> they heal one person. And there's nothing wrong with the gifts of the Spirit going forth, but a lot of times that's what the backbone, and that's where we have gotten off a lot of time in ministry, is that we follow gifts. We don't follow teaching. We don't follow teaching, we follow gifts. And so if you see a person who has done something, if someone has a prophetic gift, we automatically think that they know everything about the Bible. No, a gift is a gift. A gift does not mean that you understand scripture. Verse 19, you will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Verse 20, well said. Because of unbelief, they were broken off. And you stand by faith, do not be haughty, but fear. So why were those branches broken off? Mm -mm. It's right there. Because of unbelief. Now, that was the same reason why they did not enter into rest. Because of unbelief. Your faith is what brings this to you. And the thing about your faith is, watch this. You have faith in something. Everybody has faith in something. Meaning this, some belief system has your attention. You always represent some type of culture, some way or another. Before I got saved, it was the hip-hop culture. You always represent some culture, meaning this. Culture comes from the word cult. Also comes from the word cultivation, which means something is always cultivating your mind. Whether you know it or not, something always has your attention, something always has your time, something has your money, something always has your life. People will say they do not want to pay tithes, but then they'll give all their money to the mall. Something has your money. You're giving your first fruit to somebody. People will be on Facebook talking about you shouldn't be paying tithes and they spend half their paycheck at the liquor store. You got to know who you listening to. Something has your faith. Verse 21. 
For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Verse 22. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fail severity, but towards you, goodness. If you continue in goodness, otherwise you will be cut off also. Now, I have some important points in this because it says, therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of this. So I can come to you and I can teach you, look, God is your father. God has blessed you. God has given you an inheritance. God loves you. He so loves you. He's given you a spiritual family. I can come and tell you of all of his goodness. But you're not just living off of his goodness. You have to understand the other side of it in which it is a, it is a severity. It is a severe part of this that you grow. Because although he is good to you, your growth shows that you're good to him. And we always talk about how good God is, but we never talk about how good we are to him. That's never a bragging point. So I have some important points. There, this is not a meal ticket. If you have been grafted in, it is for growth. It is for development. You can't be in Christ, a new creature, idle and not growing. Why? Because remember this. He gave his son. And if you gave your time for something, you like don't waste my time. Let alone if you gave your money. It's really important. But if you give your child. So that is the severity of this, of this walk, is that you have to realize that God gave his only begotten son. So it's not something you play with. Yes, God is love. But at the same time, he's look, we're created in his image according to his likeness. Where you think you get the whole concept of don't waste my time from? <laughs> you get it from God. God feel the same way. Don't waste my time. If you don't want to be a part of this family, just go do your thing. But don't waste my time. And you will see. The second one is your efforts speak to if you are responding to his goodness. Your efforts speak. It's not about what I see. It's about what he sees. It's not about what people see. It's about what he sees. It's not about what your neighbors see. It's not about what your parents see. It's not about what your friends see, your husband, your wife. It's not about that. It's about what he sees. The next point, we don't understand totally what has been done by adopting us into the family because it is spiritual. Now, the conversation that I have been getting, I've been having a conversation with people uh, uh, who attend this ministry as well as people who listen from afar. And all of them say the same thing. What my wife told Dre is that they said this is becoming a part of my life. They're starting to see this is how I live. It's starting to become a way I think. At first, I didn't think 
when I got into situations and circumstances that God was my father. I thought he was going to kill me. He was going to take me out. He was never going to bless me. I didn't think that way. It's starting to become a way of life in which you automatically have the mindset that I belong to him. I have his DNA in me. He has a purpose for me. I've been predestined. I've been called to do a thing. Versus the religious side of it in which I'm just supposed to come to church, serve, do what the pastor tells me to do. If I get out of line, I'm rebellious. If I have any issues, I'm rebellious. And I'm only doing all of this so I won't go to hell. That's how I thought coming up. Anybody with me? Okay. Verse 23. And they also... If they do continue, do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Verse 24, for if you were cut off out of the olive tree, which by nature, which was wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to the nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more would these who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? So he's saying, by nature, we were wild olive trees. We were wild. We came from a wild olive tree. Now, the difference between a wild olive tree and a cultivated olive tree is that it grows without any attention to it. So olives are green by nature. They grow. Wild olives are orange. And actually, if you eat a wild olive, you get sick. So he's letting us know that you did not have my nature. You had the nature of Satan. You had the nature of Adam. And what I did was I broke you off of that tree. I brought you over to my tree and I grafted you in. <laughs> and so he says, if I grafted you in, I brought you into this tree and you were by nature, contrary to me, I will even the more accept them back in. And what is he saying here? Why would I adopt kids but disown my wayward kids? So he's letting us know that, look, those who fell off the olive tree, I'm inviting them in just like I'm inviting you in. That was the whole purpose behind the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son. So, let me establish this before I move forward. The root is the father. Y'all with me? The branches are who? Us, the children. So the root is the father because that's the creator. The branches are the creation. John chapter 15. This is Jesus talking now. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Now, if Jesus says he is the true vine, that means there's a false vine. That's what Adam was. Adam was the false vine. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Now, when Jesus speaks that he's the vine, when he makes this statement, he is not speaking to his physical body. He's speaking to who he is spiritually. That's why you are in Christ. He's speaking to who he is as far as his divine nature. Now, 
if Jesus is the vine, the Father is the root, and we are the branches. So the whole purpose of the vine is to get what is in the root to the branches. Y'all with me? So the purpose of the vine is to transfuse what is in the root and the soil into the branches so that the branches can produce fruit. Now, the root and the soil represents the father and his world. If you could see it, if I can give you a visual of it, it's as if things are upside down. And the root is in, is in eternity in heaven, and his world is the soil. And the vine came down out of heaven on earth, and now since the vine came out of heaven on earth, we are the branches connected to the vine doing his work. This is why the Bible says that we, we, when we are in Christ, we are a new creation. Why? Because we were first in a wild tree. We were first in Adam, then we were taken out of Adam, and we were placed in Christ. Once we were placed in Christ, we became a new creation. This is why the Bible says we can do all things through Christ. Why? Because Christ is divine. The whole purpose of the vine is what? To get what is in the root, what is in the soil to the branches. This is why the scriptures, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no one comes to the father, the root, except through me. This is why the Bible says that Jesus is the mediator between God and man. The vine is the mediator between the branches and the root. This is why the Bible tells us to do everything in the name of Jesus, because we are attached to that vine. Y'all with me? Okay. But at the same time, he says that the father is the vine dresser. So while he is the vine, he says the father is the vine dresser or the husbandman. And so the father is the cultivator. He's the educator. He's the one that refines. He's the one that nurtures. He's the one that promotes. He's the one that cultures us. That's why Jesus told us to pray to him. <laughs> Don't pray to the vine. He said pray to the root. Worship the root. Don't worship the vine. Worship the root. That's why, he that's why the Father is the one who chastens us. We are loved by the root. This whole idea of Christianity was the Father's idea. It was the root's idea that the vine come out and that it have branches and that the branches bear fruit. Y'all with me? Because we're going to go on a little ride in a second. You're supposed to have faith in the root. Your relationship is with the root. It ain't with the vine. You are one with the vine already. You're already in Christ. You're connected already. Now you must learn about the root. Now, John 15, chapter 2. Jesus said, every branch that is in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that bears fruit, 
He prunes it so that it will bear more fruit. Now, Jesus said, every branch that is in me. So everyone that is in Christ that does not bear fruit, he said, the father takes him away. Why? Because he's the vine dresser. He's always paying attention to the body. He's always paying attention to the vine. He's always paying attention to the branches to see who's bearing fruit. In other words, who's, be who's becoming like me? Now, the reason why the scripture said that he takes it away is because the more you are in the body and you decide that you don't want to be like him, what happens? Just like a natural branch, you dry up. And when you dry up, you become no good to the branch, to the vine. And so he takes you off because you're literally not connected anyway. Just like if you were, you ever seen a tree and, and it had a branch and the branch was dry rotted? It was dry rotted from the inside and all you did was touch it and it what? It just broke off. That's what happens when you're in Christ and you playing around with it. Soon as a situation or circumstance come, you fall off because you weren't strong enough to stay attached. That's why he says you have to understand the goodness of this and you have to understand the severity of it. That's why I told you guys, you're going to have to take a season out of your life and strengthen yourself. Or what's going to happen is a situation, a circumstance is going to happen and you're going to fall off the tree. But then on the other hand, he says, everybody who I see that is bearing fruit, he prunes it. <laughs> I mean, he cuts it back. He trims it. But it's only for the purpose of growth. And pruning doesn't feel good because pruning comes sometimes in your finances. Because he'll cut your finances to, so that you can get off that system and start thinking about your destiny. Sometimes he'll cut people out your life and you'll think that you're doing something wrong. No, he's pruning you. It's a reason why people don't like you the way they used to like you. Because what you're attached to, they're attached to a wild olive tree and you're attached to a cultivated tree. And they're not supposed to like you. They're not supposed to understand you. You're connected to two different sources. That's why stop talking to people about God who's not connected. In a sense of letting them give you advice. Don't ask nobody for no advice who's not connected to the tree. That's why the Bible says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Or stand in the way of sinner. Or sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And he meditates on it day and night. If you meditate on it day and night, the Bible says you will be like a tree. <laughs> planted along the side of a river and you will bear fruit in your season now the thing about a tree that's planted along a river is there's constant flow you have never seen dead shrubbage on the side of a river because the very scent of water makes it grow the, it's a scripture in the bible that says that at the very scent of water uh, uh, um, a, a limb or a branch that is disconnected from a tree still grows. At the scent, you can break a branch off a tree and at the scent of water, it will still grow. 
But after it gets no lack of water, after lack of water, lack of water, it eventually dies and withers. Why? Because it's not connected to anything. So he takes away everything that does not believe and lives contrary. And the reason why? Because it dries up and it detaches itself from him and his kingdom. Detaching itself from the body, therefore, detaching itself from the blessings. This is what it means to be spiritually dead. It means you are detaching yourself from the inheritance. You are detaching yourself from the kingdom of God. That's why the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. It's not a sin. It's when you continually live a sinful life, you automatically detach yourself from the, from the uh, vine. It's making sense. So when he prunes us, he cuts us back for growth. He cleanses us for the next season. Some of y'all right now in here are being cleansed for the next season. He's purging you right now. He's getting rid of people. You're getting irritated with certain people in your life and you don't want them around you no more. It's not, that's not always a bad thing. Because where he's taking you in this next place, they can't come. Verse 3. Is Jesus still talking. He's talking to his disciples. He said, you are already clean because the word which I have spoken to you. So he's letting them know, look, I've been pruning you the whole time. You've been being pruned the whole time I've been training you. This whole three years that you have been walking with me, I've been pruning you. He said, I've been pruning you through discipleship training. Right now you're being pruned. Now, how did he prune him? He only spoke the mysteries of the kingdom to his disciples. He told the disciples, to you, I speak the mysteries of the kingdom. But to them, meaning the crowd, those who weren't his disciples, those who weren't his students, he said, I talk to them in parables. <laughs> in other words, I talk to them in, in riddles. Why? He said, because hearing they might hear and seeing they might see and they might understand and get converted. And so what is he saying there? It sounds kind of bad, don't it? That he don't want them to understand. Well, this is the way, this is the way he works. If you don't want to be my disciple, if you don't want to come into my body, if you don't want to attach yourself to me and grow in me, I don't want you to understand my word at all. I don't want you to understand it. So he told his disciples, because you are students, because you decided to give up everything and follow me. Peter asked him one time, let me finish that thought. Because you decided to give up everything and follow me, I'm going to make sure you understand. Peter asked him one time, he said, well, what do we get for following you? Jesus said, for everybody who gave up house, House, I'm going to ask some stuff, car, who gave up friends, who gave up family, who gave up opportunities. He said, I'm going to give it back to you a hundredfold with persecution, which means everything that you gave up, every friend, every opportunity that you gave up in the world. He said, I'm going to give it back to you a hundredfold, but it's going to come with persecution, meaning you're going to have haters.
he allowed them to operate in his power and authority. Now, I'm talking about how he cleaned them. Because he told them, he said, you are already clean because the word in which I have spoken to you. He allowed them to see his miracles and his healing. He allowed them to see his spiritual life. He allowed them to see him crucified, him die, him resurrected, his wounds, and to see him ascend. He allowed them to see these things. This is how he cleansed them. When he's speaking to you, whether it's prophetically, whether, through, whether it's through the word, whether it's in your study time, whether it, when it's just us having a conversation amongst one another and revelation and understanding the word comes out, what is he doing? He's cleaning you. He's pruning you. Don't be afraid of correction. Correction is a good thing in this because he's only doing it so that you can grow. So he expects us. He did all this, this stuff because he expects us to abide in him. Verse 4, Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. Watch this. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. Let's read that again. Jesus said, abide in me. And I in you. So that statement right there, everything we've been talking about, you are in Christ, but you still need to be developed. So he said, abide in me, which means you're already attached to me. Abide in me. And I in you. Why would he say I in you? Because he knows although you are in me, you can still not learn. Although you are in me, you can still not pray. So he's not interested in you just being connected to him. He's also interested in your soul development. He's, inter he's interested in your heart being purified. He's interested in your mind being transformed. He's interested in you being conformed to the vine, conformed to the branch. Abide means to remain for development. You have been grafted in and you were wild by nature, meaning you came into the vine, but you have a different mindset than the vine. You have a total different mindset than the, than the, uh, uh, than the root. So as I work me in you, I need you to remain. I need you to tolerate it. I need you to adhere. When I correct you, I don't want you to flee. When I give you stuff, I don't want you to flee. I want you to abide in me and I in you. Why? Because the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. So he's saying, allow me to prune you. Allow the father to prune you. Allow yourself to be taught. Here's why. There is a process of getting what's in the root through the vine to the branches. It's a process. I wish that we could, get, we could have God saved and automatically we're just filled with everything that Jesus had. We just got all the power. We got all the compassion. We have all the patience. We have all the understanding of his world. 
but it doesn't happen like that. So it is a process. Abide means this, to remain, to tolerate, to adhere, to accept, to take, to stand, to stomach it. Why? Because there is some resistance between spirit and flesh. Because remember, you were wild olives. So when you were attached to the branch, you still had lust. You still had lust in you, meaning you still long for the things that God said you can't have. You still long for those things. So he said, abide in me so I can what? Remove that desire from you. I want you to be so locked into me. I want you to abide in me so long that the world don't know the difference between you and me. You still had the same appetite, your intellect. You had no understanding of his world. Your aversions, the things that you liked and you, and you disliked had nothing to do with the kingdom. I don't understand how somebody can be a Christian, be a child of God, and be racist. How can you be prejudiced and be in God? How can you not like, how can you have dislike for mankind and be in him? You can't. But what it shows is that there's still some wildness. <laughs> it shows. That's what it shows. It's still some stuff there that does not represent him. It still shows up in your emotions, in your disposition, in your character. That's why the scripture said that we cast down, that we are to cast down every imagination that exalts itself above the knowledge of Christ. So everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of the vine, the Bible says, cast that down. Hurry up. Get rid of it. It didn't say stop. It said cast it. You know what it means to cast something? Throw it. Get rid of it as, as quick as you can. Cast it. This is why he tells us to take off the old man and put on a new man. Because why? You're attached to that vine. Verse 5. This is Jesus still talking. Now, this is an interesting conversation. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He's establishing who you are and who I am. <laughs> I'm the vine, you the branches. I'm the vine, you are the branches. I'm the vine, you're positioned in me. I'm, seated, I'm the head, you're the body. You're only seated in heavenly places because you're what? Attached to me. So I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and, watch this, I in him. So it's not about you. Let me finish it. He bears much fruit and apart from me, you can do nothing. So in order for you to bear much fruit, it's not about you just being in him. It's about him being in you. That's why we talked about that on New Year's. It's a difference between being filled and being full. You're connected. You're in Christ, but you're not full of the Holy Spirit, which means that God doesn't have your mind. He doesn't have your soul. He doesn't have your heart. He doesn't have your disposition. He doesn't have your character. He doesn't have your life. So he says, 
I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I am in him, he bears much fruit. And then he lets you know, apart from me, you can't do nothing. You know what nothing means in the Greek? Nothing, right. He says you can do nothing, not a thing. That's why when you come over in this life and you decide to give your life to Christ, every time you try to jump back on the system and do it the way the world do it, it never works. It'll never work. It'll never work. It won't work. <laughs> you can try your hardest to do it like the other people do it, but it will never work. And that's the whole thing what my wife was talking about. Me being the root of my family, my wife being the vine, and my children being the branches. Every time they get out of line of what the root tell them to do, they get their butt in trouble. Y'all hear me? They get in trouble. Something bad happens. And that's the bad thing about it. Is they, the bad thing about it is because the root and the vine, <laughs> no matter what you try to do, it's only going to work if you do it the right way. It'll never work. It sucks. My wife used to always say this to me. She used to put in for jobs all the time when we was in Leesville. And she, with a master's degree, she could never get a job. And she was puzzled. She was perplexed on the fact that other people were getting jobs that were not serving God, and she was serving God and could not find a job. And I told her, I said, okay, if you want to be like them, then just announce God and go do it. Because it's... In this lifestyle, only your destiny works for you. Only your destiny works. Nothing else works. You can try as hard as you can to do it the way you think you should do it or to follow behind somebody else and do it. I'm scared even in this ministry to try to do it the way other ministries do it. One of my mentors, he's, uh, he's following uh, uh, Bishop Oyedepo which is the largest church in the world. This guy has a $50,000, I mean, 50,000 seat sanctuary. He has like six services on a su every Sunday. And then his overflow is like 100,000 people outside. That don't mean I should go do what he do. That's not my destiny. Now, I can learn from him. I can listen to him, but that's not my destiny. I can't go and say, okay, this is what he did to get this so this is what I'm going to do. Forget everything God told me. Forget what he told me to teach, how he told me to do it, and just go do it the way he did it, doing it. No. You can always learn from somebody, but never try to be a, a mimic or a copy. God did not create you to be a carbon copy of somebody else. Your destiny belongs to you. In this system, hold on. That's why the moment when you enter into this life, your life has to be lost. That's why Jesus told him. He said, if you want to gain your life, you, got, you have to lose it. You have a life that was wild. It was a part of another olive tree. It was a part of another nature. Now that you get into this life, Jesus said, you got to lose this life. You got to lose your life to gain a life. That makes no sense, does it? 
Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they will be burned up. Now, if anyone does not abide in me, so if you do not abide in him, that means you automatically abide in the world. <laughs> if you don't abide in him, that means you automatically abide in Adam. That means you automatically live through the flesh. You automatically live the lust. So he says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away. Now, the thing about this I want you to understand is that there will always be something tugging at you to disconnect you from the vine. There will always be something tugging at you to disconnect you. There will always be something. But what he wants you to know is the moment that you disconnect yourself from me, you're going to dry up. <laughs> and then it says, watch this, and they gather them. Who is they? They gather them. Men who are not connected to me are waiting. People are waiting for you to fall off. So why? They can gather you and bring you into that life that they're living, and y'all can all burn in hell forever. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. That's really what we want, right? To be able to ask whatever we want and it be done. This is why Jesus walked on water. Because he abided in the Father and the Father abode in him. This is why he was able to live the life that he lived. Because he was connected. He had no problem saying, I and my Father are one. <laughs> he knew what he was connected to. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, meaning what? Your soul, your mind, are we unified? Ask whatever you wish and it will be done. So he's saying what? You have access to the kingdom. Why do you have access? Because you're one of the branches. And as long as you are cooperating with the branch, you can have everything that's in the root and in the soil. Grafted to grow. Verse 8. My father is glorified by this. What is this? What is he glorified by? That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. He's glorified by the fact that you are in Christ and you are growing. For, no, let's forget about hell. Let's, let's, let's talk about hell. You know how you get, you know how you go to hell? Is when you don't want to be attached to the vine. You know how you go to hell? Is when you get attached to the, to the vine, but you decide, I don't want to conform to the vine. Now, so what does that mean? We don't have to worry about hell as long as we're growing. Now, the growing gets us everything we want. So why would we stop growing? <laughs> That's why I don't really talk about hell. I just tell you what's there for you. I'm going to tell you about the inheritance. I'm going to tell you about the blessings. 
I'm going to tell you about the predestined purpose for your life. And if that don't draw you in, hell ain't. <laughs> Telling you going to go to hell, not going to get it. If you know that God has your destiny in his hand and he can give you everything, he, watch this. At the height of your understanding of your destiny, it's still trash. If you could have a glimpse in your mind right now of the best life you could possibly live, the Bible says, I have not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into your mind. So you off. It's greater than that. If you will give all that up to go live a sinful life, you stupid. So I'm going to teach you about the reward that he has for you. I'm going to teach you about the abundant life. And I'm going to let you run towards that. I'm not going to teach you about hell and scare you into the abundant life. It don't work like that. So you have to prove that you are, you have to prove your discipleship. Why? Your discipleship. Because he said, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You prove, you prove to be the disciple, a student. What are the characteristics of a student? Learn of me, because I am meek and lowly of heart. Allow yourself to be taught. Study, that's a student, right? Students study, they learn. Okay. Now, I'm about to close on you. People can't see the vine. People can't see the root. They only see your fruit. They can't see Jesus. Who in here seen Jesus before? I believe you. Tremaine said he have. Now he showed up to some people. But overall, generally, who in here seen God? The Bible said that no man has seen God and lived. <laughs> So they don't see the root and they don't see the vine. They only see the fruit. So to them on earth, the branches are trees. And they only identify the tree by the fruit. Okay. Matthew 7 and 17. So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. Verse 18. Okay. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. Nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Which means you can't be angry, unforgiving, Unforgiving, loveless, hateful, oppressed, depressed, fearful, rude, impatient, and claim to be a good tree. <laughs> Verse 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. They just said that about the branches, right? 
Now, the thing about it is you don't cut off a strong branch. You don't cut down a strong tree. If the tree has went bad, that means either the fruit can kill everybody or the tree is dead on the inside. Which means it's a danger to everybody around it. So it has to be cut down. My last verse. Matthew 12 and 33. To sum it all up. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. One or the other. For a tree is known by its fruit. That's why it's a lot of spirits. But that's why when you see in scripture, it attaches holy to God's. It's a lot of spirits. But holy is he's letting you know the root. He's letting you know the vine so the branches can understand that, look, this is the expectation. It's for you to be holy. What does holiness mean? Say again. I can't hear you. What does holy mean? It means that you cannot be influenced by evil or inhabited by evil. That's what holy means. The father cannot be influenced by evil and, and evil cannot inhabit him, meaning it cannot live in him. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to not be influenced by evil, and he does not want evil to be able to live in you. The Godhead is represented in the tree. The Father is the root, the Son is the vine, and the Holy Spirit is advocating for the branches. But I want you to understand this. Trees have this thing that they do when storms arise. All right, give you a little lesson on trees. Trees have this thing that they do when storms arise, when resistance occur, occurs. It's a natural behavior. So anytime there's a tornado or there's a storm, a tree naturally does this thing. The resistance that the wind is putting on that tree, the storm that is surrounding that tree causes the tree, the roots of the tree, to dig deeper into the ground. <laughs> Adversity causes a tree to dig deeper to what it's connected to. So adversity is supposed to cause us to dig deeper into God. Adversity is supposed to bring us to study. You know that? Adversity is supposed to bring us to prayer. That's why it says either make the tree good. How do you make a tree good? Practicing righteousness. 
Grafted, we have been grafted in to grow. We have not been grafted in to be idle. If there is no pause button in Christianity, you're either growing, you're either inclining or you declining. If you knew what was at stake, you would not miss a day studying, you would not miss a day praying. Because watch this, the fast is about to happen, all right? Let's X the fast out of there and let's just say a normal day, waking up. How many of y'all just intentionally miss meals? Just intentionally, you see what I'm saying? You're going to make sure you eat every day. So in the same sense, that's what the word of God is to you. That's what prayer is. Prayer is food for your soul. The word is food for your soul. If you don't eat that day and you don't mind not eating, that means you were never hungry for it. You're supposed to feel, if you go a whole day without eating, you feel depleted, right? If you go a whole day without studying and praying, you should feel depleted spiritually. If you go an entire day without doing the things of God and you don't feel depleted, you should question yourself if you connect it. Amen? Y'all learn something? Okay. Father, we thank you right now, Father. We ask that you would hide your word in our heart that we would not sin against you, O Father. We ask you, O Father, that your word will be a lamp unto our feet. It will be a light unto our path. Father, let your word become spirit and life. Let it be truth that sanctifies us, Father. Let us meditate on your word until we are like a tree that is planted by the rivers of living water, bringing forth fruit in our due season.